Hi, friends. Welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I'm so glad you're here with us today. On today's podcast, Jim Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, talked with Dr. David Erickson about how Christian faith and the Bible guides our parenting. Let me tell you about Dr. David. Dr. David Erickson is passionate about helping people fall radically and deeply in love with God and his word. He's pursued that calling for more than 25 years as a preacher and pastor. For the last 13 years, he's worked as a theology professor at a seminary. David is committed to helping parents understand what God says about parenting and how parenting practices reflect a person's underlying beliefs about God. David and his wife, Amanda, teach parents all over the world through their ministry, flourishing homes and families. With practical parenting advice and regular theology applied to parenting, they are working to equip and empower parents to live out in parenting the very real grace they've been given by Jesus. And now listen in on Jim and Dr. David Erickson's rich conversation. David, it's great to be with you today. It's Stacy said all those words and all that stuff. It's all very impressive, kind of over my head. I consider that I'm meeting today with a friend and iron sharp and iron kind of a guy, but welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. It's it's great to be here with you today. I'm just trying to kind of rewind in my brain, like how, how did we learn about each other? And by the craziness of the technological world, I think we were introduced to each other through Instagram or something. Or, something uh, like that. I've, I've been following you for a number of years, long before you'd ever heard of me, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, you've mentioned that. And I know that you're, say a little bit about the work that you and Amanda have sort of grown into, your wife, Amanda, and tell us about your family and kind of your, just a quick snapshot of your ministry journey to, to get to where you are and what you're doing right now. Absolutely. Well, my wife and I, we've been married for uh, 17 years now. I have a couple of boys that are in grade school and few years back, we just started sharing some stuff online, primarily on social media about parenting. We had some thoughts and my wife was encouraging me to like, you, you have a lot of like biblical and theological ideas about parenting and maybe you should just write them down instead of having them run around in your head and share them with people. So <laughs> did that. And she was sharing some thoughts from about mothering as, as she was being a mother and, and people just kept sharing it. And uh, it kind of turned into a, a ministry that we now do with trying to reach out to parents. And the name of your ministry, easiest to find, I think on Instagram, right? Right. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. It's called Flourishing Homes and Families. And uh, we have a website too. Yeah. If you put flourishing homes and families in the search bar, it's going to land at David and Amanda Erickson. And you'll see all kinds of different cool resources. Amanda's a great artist. And so she puts very memorable, important concepts in these Instagram photos. And I think that's how we learned about you was through the Instagram world. And we saw in the recent few years, there's been sort of popularized, not just in the Christian world, but e even more broadly, this idea of gentle parenting. You know, my first response, I know, as a, you know, somewhat conservative type Christian, when I first saw this gentle parenting stuff was like, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's secular Adlerian, Carl Rogers, Rudolf Droiker stuff, where there's this belief that, you know, left to their own devices, kids will do just fine. They, they're inherently good. And so I'm not going to pay much attention to gentle parenting. But you two kind of have taken a dive and with a biblical lens on that, say more about your journey into gentle parenting and how you've come to understand it through a biblical lens. 
Right. So we use the term gentle primarily because gentleness is something that is spoken of so highly and consistently in the Bible. Like it's part of the expectations of who a follower of Christ would be. They would be gentle. And so we thought that was a a good term. Now there, yes, there's a lot of other sometimes baggage that can come with it because, yeah, we don't necessarily agree that children should be just left to their own devices. We think parents have wisdom and parents should be trying to instill wisdom into their children. There's various ways you can do that, but that's part of the goal of parenting is to encourage maturity into your kids. And so that's why we kind of went with that term. Yeah. So, and say a little bit more, this idea of gentleness as followers of Jesus, if what I hear you saying is the Bible teaches us as Jesus followers, that we ought to have a way of gentleness about us. Uh, and that that's a characterization of the church. I don't recall that there's any verses in the Bible that say, parents, be gentle with your kids. No, that, well, there's not a lot, if you think about it, in the Bible that's specifically, explicitly where the Bible says parents do this. Yeah. There, there's a few, but there's not very much. But mostly it's about us as followers of Christ embodying a certain way of living, embodying a ethic, if you will, that you can find in a whole number of places in the scripture where, you know, Paul tells us, well, of course, we know in Galatians 5, people remember the fruit of the Spirit, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of us probably memorize that list as a kid, but this is the work of God in us, and it should be producing these things in us. And so, as parents, we should be showing these things to our children as we move through life, whether we're working in a more negative context, you know, like we're, we're having to discipline our child. And that's where having made the previous choice, because in this moment, I'm very frustrated about what is happening and what they are doing. But I've made the choice that I am going to try to be as patient as I have the capacity to be and as gentle as I can be and and to have self-control. And so this is me just trying to live this out as I interact with my children. Because you know all of these things in the Bible that talk about Virtue, basically, to put a a big word on it. But, you know, the Bible talks a lot about virtue and the virtues of the Christian life. And there's not really any exceptions. You know, so it's not like you need to be gentle with your spouse, but you don't need to be gentle with your kid. You need to be, you know, uh, patient with your boss, but you don't have to be patient with a church member. Like, this is just how you live life. And so as a follower of Christ, this should come through in your parenting. Yeah. So it really, what I hear you saying is it's, it's, it's less a description of how to behave in certain ways, in certain places with certain people. And it's more about what kind of person to be and then to bring into all of the interactions of life. So it right. sort of, it sort of takes what I think has so often been taught to us, not just as parents, but even as, as Christians, you know, we've been taught a lot about how we ought to behave and, uh, you know, a lot of the behavioral standards. I've got to be patient, for example. So there's a sermon on patience and it tells me, well, you know, you you need to be patient and you ought to be patient here or there or the other place. But I think there's a fine line between being taught that in the scriptures and then being invited to embody patience 
as a work of the of the transformation or the renewal of our minds. This idea that you're talking about is what captured Lynn and I and got us into this work in the first place. It's like, yeah, the way that we're taught we ought to be with the church and the one another's and you know all throughout scripture like well those are that, those are supposed to land on our children too our children are a one another they're they're another <laughs> right exactly and, exactly and and you know as a parent one of my motivations because you're, you're right we can get into behaviorism and not being motivated by the life of the spirit and just trying to act right in ways that people will see But one of my goals is to demonstrate to my kids what it looks like to follow Jesus. Like, I want to disciple them. And for me, the first step of discipling is living the life in front of them. Because our kids know us better than anybody, okay? If there's hypocrisy in us, they'll sniff it out. I I think our kids, they are amazing gifts to us to improve our sanctification, okay? Um, I was thinking of different terminology, David, maybe a little more out of my high-risk youth outreach background, but it's like our kids have got the greatest BS detectors of anybody in our lives, right? Before I had children, I thought I was patient, right? Because I was more patient than most people, okay? But my kids just went ahead and demonstrated to me how much more patience I was going to need in life. And, you know, and you have a choice then that you can either, I am going to pursue this because I am a Christ follower. So this is who I want to be. Or I can make the choice of, yeah, these kids are just pushing my buttons and I'm just, I'm, I'm done with being patient. And, you know, you make that choice. Now, sometimes I don't always choose right. I don't know that anybody does. You know, so sometimes you have to back up. You have to apologize. You have to yeah. fix what you just did. But, you know, it's it's a choice of who am I going to ultimately choose to be, you know, and who am I trying to build them up to be, right? Because they're watching me. Yeah. And, you know, what kind of character do I want them to have as they you know, mature and grow into adulthood. And, and if I'm not doing it, you know, it's a great idea to point our kids and say, you go do that and be better than me. Mm. I don't know if that's ever worked for anybody. It's never, I've never observed it working for anybody, but yeah. no, you follow me as I try to be better. And it's not a perfection thing. Okay. It's not saying we got to be perfect parents, but we got to be parents who are on the path, who are, yeah. are pursuing Christ. Yeah. This idea, are- David, that you're talking about, about how our kids are sort of our provocateurs of the need that we have for true spiritual formation. I think that's a hard thing for us to listen to, to hear. I think God's word is pretty gracious with us when we are able to recognize, yeah, I am a sinner in need of grace too. And the sin that so easily entangles me too. Yeah. I think, you know, that you've developed this thinking around what I heard you call the New Testament ethic or the ethic Jesus calls us to. I just think it's such a profound way to think about parenting. Like what's the Jesus ethic and how do we bring that to parenting. You and Amanda have done some different little workshops that you put on your website and on your Instagram page. Say just a word or two about, I know there's two or three of them there particularly that kind of draw out on this idea of bringing the ethic 
Jesus calls us to into our parenting. Yeah, just kind of give a little a, a little blip here for for your courses that people could get access to on your flourishing homes and families sites. We've done on one on kind of looking at how Jesus talks about like what it means to be a Jesus follower, how that might interact with our parenting, and then we've done one on what the apostles teach about and how that interacts with our parenting. So like, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the sons of God. As parents, our homes aren't always peaceful. Our children aren't always peaceful. They have their disputes and intense discussions and their fights. And <laughs> and it's easy, at least for me as a dad, to go into peacekeeping mode, right? Where my goal is to make sure nobody actually gets hurt. And as long as you know, that happens, I walk away happy. But that's different than actually making peace between warring brothers, okay? And, you know, just separating and and ensuring it doesn't go any further is not the same thing as bring peace back to that relationship. It's not the same thing as being bringing restoration and reconciliation to that situation. And, you know, Christ calls us to be peacemakers, and that can start in our own home, between our own children, trying to help them have peace. And so there's there's lots of other things like that, where if you just take the ideas, the kind of the principles that Christ and the apostles, and even in the Old Testament, that are kind of laid out for us, and say, you know, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ, and I, okay, but I'm going to apply this idea, you know, to parenting. So yeah, give you another example in Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm. You know, our but children what if mom's, to... mom's yes is a yes and dad's no is a no? Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Uh, so then, that's so that's then, a marital problem. Yeah, <laughs> so, then, work out. so then there's an invitation to parents to, to work at getting on the same page so that they can honor and respect one another in that. Well, listen, we're going to take a break here quick. I just want to read. I'm, I'm looking at your page now. These six courses, they're just $10 each. I think they're, they'd be a great listen for the Connected Families audience as well. Gentle Parenting in the Context of Sibling Relationships is, is one of the courses. Gentle Parenting, I love this. Gentle Parenting for Skeptical Dads. You think there's a skeptical dad out there or two when it comes to being told to be calm and be peaceful and restorative with your kids? I'm guessing that's a pretty fun course. Gentle, Just Gentle Parenting 101, kind of an introduction to this idea through the lens of the scriptures. Parenting with Jesus at the center is one of the courses that puts Jesus in the middle. What does the Bible say about spanking? That's, that's always a hot button and a hot topic. I know that in the gentle parenting world, that's there's been a lot of good, strong work to put the Bible over the top of some of the assumptions we've made and some of the history of where this all came from. And so that'd be a good lesson. And then, of course, I think Amanda does this one, right? Transforming your triggers, which is really about understanding those things that just set you off. You used the term earlier, getting my buttons pushed. Do we understand what those are? Do we lay lay them out before God and allow God to transform those, those things that typically send us kind of over the edge into something more redemptive? So folks, check out this page at flourishinghomesandfamilies.com and the workshops tab will take you to these resources. And I'd encourage you to pick up one or two of these, listen to them, tell your friends about them. Uh, we're going to take a break. And then on the other side, David and I are going to come back and dig a little bit more into this topic of gentle parenting in the Bible. Hi, friends. Stacy here. 
I want to tell you about a free resource that you can get today called Helping Kids with Anger. Anger is an emotion that all of us have, both kids and parents. We've all experienced it. It looks different depending on the personality. Sometimes it's slow and simmering, and sometimes it's surprising and explosive. But no matter how it shows itself in your home, it can be hard to know how to manage. It can be especially hard when identities start to get formed around anger. Well, if this topic of anger hits home for you, we have an ebook that integrates both biblical truth and brain science. It's designed to help you equip your children to manage their anger and emotions rather than just stop the behavior. You'll also learn how to work on your own anger first so that you can respectfully and constructively help your children work through their own big emotions. Head to our show notes and follow the link to download our Helping Kids with Anger ebook and take steps towards peaceful parenting and connection today. Well, this is a fun conversation, David, and I kind of look forward to a time too when maybe we could figure out a way to do a podcast with you and Amanda and Lynn and me and even get Stacy in the middle and start asking us some questions. We'll see if that might come to pass someday. I get the feeling that your wife, like my wife, is, is quite different from you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're, our personalities are quite different. We've met Amanda, of course, and, and it's a spark plug of energy and creativity and, and a deep thinker. So yeah, that kind of podcast could be fun. I want to take the, the rest of our time here with you. You and I have talked some about this idea of obedience and the importance of helping our kids grow into obedience. But again, the way that you have thought this through the lens of the scriptures and talked about this and teach it is somewhat different than, you know, we've heard some of our mentors in the faith talk about how we need to require obedience of our children. We need to swiftly address misbehavior of any kind with a firm hand, perhaps, or with a a firm action or consequence in place. So that our kids, when they misbehave, understand the importance of obedience. I know you've done some deep thinking about this and let the Bible be your source. Take us a little bit into your mindset about this this conversation that's so common among Christian parenting. Uh, anybody interested in Christian parenting? You know, of course, the classic passage, Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. And there's a couple of things there. Of course, the very next verse, he starts quoting from the Old Testament, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise which to me tells me there's a bigger goal than obedience here. Okay. So, you know, as a parent, I may have the immediate need of you need to do what I say, because, you know, we are walking in a parking lot and you are not being safe and you need to follow directions right now. But the ultimate goal in parenting is honor. And so, because honor is what lasts for a lifetime. All of us outgrow obeying our parents at some point, but I have never outgrown honoring my parents and I don't plan to. And so (laughs) the way we go about seeking our children's obedience can work towards a relationship of honor for the rest of our lives, or it can work against it. This is part of where, you know, the connected families framework, okay, where you start out with you are safe with me. And with connection, okay, you know, those are the the two things you start with before you start in on correcting or anything like that. It's the same thing you need when you're trying to call your child to obedience. You know, there's there's a song I've sung many times in church, Trust and Obey, okay? And it tells a basic truth that obedience is easy 
when you trust the person asking you to obey. Beautiful. And Beautiful. when we, we, we connect with our children and our children feel safe with us and they trust us, we are setting them up for success in this. We're not setting them up for perfection, okay? But we're setting them up for success because uh, even the most connected, trusting, safe child is still not always going to obey, okay? But mm-hmm. we're, we're laying the groundwork and, and, and you need to start yeah. there. And, and then, you know, the, the second goal is I want to teach my children what I call the joy of obedience, okay? Because obedience can be a joy. Now, as adults, when we move through life, we actually obey a lot of things without even consciously thinking about it. So today's a weekday. I drove into town earlier today and drove right back out. We live in a rural area. I saw absolutely no police officers the entire time. And yet I still obeyed the traffic laws. You are so much more obedient than me. I knew that's where you were going. And now I'm feeling convicted. <laughs> there is no way in, in, uh, in the world that I would be able to say that after making a drive like yours today. I don't think. Well, uh, but I suspect you didn't drive recklessly. My, hey. my disobedience has its limits. Yeah, yeah. Your disobedience has obedience <laughs> plus 5%. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, go but, ahead. I'm sorry. I, could, I just couldn't help myself there. But I mean, the thing is, like, we do these kinds of things. Like, I drive a certain speed, not necessarily because the sign is there or because yeah. the cop's going to be out there. There's no cops out here. He's going to be behind a bush and he's going to nail me. I do it because that's part of, you know, moving safely through the world. Like, I have seen the goodness of obeying the traffic laws. And therefore, I don't need somebody compelling me to follow them because I believe they are there for the benefit of our entire community. There's a thing I hear, I'm hearing you say, which is that, you know, true, true obedience and walking in it, even almost without thinking about it, you know, is really about embodying. It's just become a part of us to do this as a work of God in our lives over time. Right. It comes from our heart. Like, you know, we will obey the things we want to obey and we will disobey the things we don't want to obey. Our children are the same. They're less mature. So tell me this, because I theologically, I totally 100% agree. Making this a little bit practical for parents, and we haven't done a whole lot of pragmatic stuff in this podcast. That wasn't our job. But I think this idea of not using the typical defaults that parents use to require obedience and, right. and responding to disobedience in ways that truly do get under the surface, that win honor, that create a joy in obedience. What are some things you know that you do practically to help your kids know and understand the joy of obedience when they've disobeyed? Right, right. Well, you know, one of the things is give them another chance to obey. Like there's plenty of times where it's like, well, let's back up and try that again. What just happened here? Okay. Now my kids are getting a little bit older. So this is a little more, this is not effective with toddlers necessarily, but it's uh, very effective with school age kids. A lot of times they just need help, right? You know, they, they need help obeying. So, you know, for example, you need to clean up your room. This room is a mess. You've got clothes over here. You got toys over here. You, you got all this kind of stuff. You need to clean it up. And, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old 
they might be able to see all the stuff and they theoretically know where it all belongs. But that doesn't mean they can mentally process through what steps to take. And so, you know, they might need help. Like, look, let's get these clothes and let's put these clothes in the dirty laundry. You know, they need help breaking down a more complex thing into a, a simple thing. Sometimes they need physical help, right? Yeah. It's the kind of thing like, you know, little kids, you can't have your little kids running through the parking lot going into the store. It's not, it's fundamentally not safe. Okay. And sometimes that means you have to hold my hand and this is not an optional hand holding. Okay. Or you get, you have to get put in the cart and you ride in the cart and, or, I mean, it could be something like you, you spilled your cup, right? Having supper, you got goofing around, you knocked your cup over and you, now you got water everywhere. All right. It's your job to clean it up, right? You make the mess, you clean the mess basic thing you're trying to instill into your kids clean up after yourself and so you know but when they're really little you got to go grab the towel and so here let me show you and you 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 help their hands learn what it means to wipe something up because yeah they're not born knowing how to do this yeah david Um, as you're as you're telling these stories and talking about sort of this different approach you know I've, i've got i've got two pictures in my mind you know one of them is this sort of classic parent who's standing up above their kids with their hands on their hips and maybe even a finger pointed at the child making a command toward obedience and the child in that picture that I'm seeing as you're telling these stories is sort of cowering in fear, not a reverent type of a fear, but a what's going to happen next kind of a fear. And, but then I'm also contrasting that this other picture just popped into my mind and I'm, you know, I'm not a, a Holy Spirit picture kind of a guy, but there's this piece of art and, and maybe you've seen it where Jesus is on the ground with the children. I think it's a piece of art that's relative to, you know, rebuffing the disciples who are trying to remove the kids from him. No, 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 let them come to me. Cause this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he's, he's on his knee and he's down there with the kids and he's got, got his arm around him. And I'm imagining, you know, the disciples were were probably a little embarrassed by the noise and by the raucous, you know, the, the out of control behavior of these children when Jesus is trying to teach important things. And Jesus says, oh, uh, 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 let's be part of this with them. By being part of this with them, that's where we do our best teaching. When we stand over our kids with our hands on our hips and our brow furrowed and our, you know, finger extended at them. We're not, we're not with them. You know, in their perception, I think sometimes we're against them. And, and what I hear you describing is a way of, of bringing presence of grace into the discipline of misbehavior. So we don't let it go. We don't, it's not a permissive sort of fashion of parenting at all. It's a very engaged, active, there is a measure of firmness in what I hear you describing, but it's not its not angry firmness. It's convicted firmness to be present with my kids while I nurture in them a sense of understanding, a sense of wisdom for why this is important, an opportunity to let them experience in very practical ways the grace of a do-over or, or trying again or getting some help. You know, it seems to me that when our kids are convinced that we can be there to help them when they're struggling, that somehow there's a link even to the to the paraclete, to the helper who comes alongside us. Like, can we create a model? So, I mean, when you're talking about this, my head just explodes with the importance of what you're saying and how hard it is for us as parents for these ideas to become practical so that we can bring our spiritual formation work into the mix of the difficulties of our parenting experience. Right. Well, and I mean, Paul goes on in Ephesians 6, you know, in Ephesians 6, 4, where he says, you know, fathers don't stir up anger in your children, but 
bringing them up in the training and, and correction of the Lord. And, uh, and by the way, before I leave it, there was a couple of really smart people that had this idea of get low, get slow. I think that we were one of those smart people. And, and this, I, I mean, give all this the credit is, to Lynn. <laughs> when you're trying to cultivate obedience in your child, you're, you're not trying to dominate and overpower them. You're trying to help them. And the way you approach that makes a big difference. And, yeah. But in Ephesians 6, 4, when Paul talks about, you know, you, you pay attention to how your child is responding to you, right? You won't know if you're angering or discouraging them if you're not paying attention to them. Right. Okay. Which means sometimes you need to get a little bit off of what I, as the parent, am trying to do, okay, and look at how this is impacting my child. Mm -hmm. Because usually I've got my agenda that I am trying to accomplish, and if that's having a negative impact on my child, I need to recalibrate. I need to rethink what I'm trying to do. But as it relates to obedience specifically, he talks about training, talks about instruction. One of those is kind of a positive thing, like where you're preparing your child. And the other is more of a correcting thing where something has, has gone wrong. So for example, coming out of COVID, our kids had lost all their memory about what you do in church services, right? It's been months <laughs> since they've been in church and we just show up at church. You know, we're here to have church and it's just an hour of chaos in our pew. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, well, this is not working well at all. And and these aren't little kids, you know, they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're bigger kids now, but still we'd made assumptions that they, they would remember what to do. And so we hadn't spent any time training or preparing them for the experience we were about to walk into. Yeah. Well, we didn't make that mistake the next week. Right. right. The next week we like, okay, here's the expectations. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's expected of you. And you know what? A lot of times our kids can meet those expectations when they're laid out. And you know, sometimes you got to do, you know, practice hmm. things. Kids learn by repetition. And so sometimes you need to do some repetitions before you're in the moment of a particular experience. Right. You got to figure out a way to help them learn how to, you know, they need to talk to a friend or they need to learn how to apologize. Right. Well, yeah. let's practice what these words are going to look like. Yeah. Uh, right on. You know? We didn't, we didn't, Chloe Kim didn't just show up at the Olympic half pipe. And start jumping without rehearsing for a while first. No. So before the pressure of game time was on, there was a lot of preparation. This idea of preparation, David, I think is so important. And in our in our culture and in our time, I mean, that's a message right out of God's word, Ephesians chapter six, verse four. There's lots of different ways that the English gets translated, but this, this sort of proactive versus responsive methods of bringing up our children is I think so important. And we miss the preparation part, don't we? In, a, in the fast pace and with, we yeah. make assumptions about what our kids know and don't know. And I know you've, you've got a hard stop here and I want to honor that, David. I, I'm just wondering, you know, if, if I'm a parent and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, yeah, I really want to look to the Bible more closely and look at a, a section of scripture as it relates to parenting or a set of teachings. Is there a specific place in the Bible that you would say to parents, yeah, go here and read this through the lens of parenting to, to leave us as a thought today. One of the things I think about a lot about parenting is what Jesus says in the situation you described. The disciples were like pushing kids away 
And Jesus is like, no, 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 you've completely misunderstood. You go read the chapter before Jesus is telling the disciples that the kingdom of God is like little children. You need to become like little children. And, you know, millstones for those who cause one of these little ones to sin, all of this kind of stuff. And then the very next chapter, the disciples are pushing kids away from Jesus. You're not important enough. And Jesus says no. In fact, this is the only time in all the Gospels that it records that Jesus is angry with his own disciples. And I think as parents, as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to take our parenting seriously. Yeah. These children are God's gifts to us, and we need to take the wonderful gifts that he has given to us and be serious about what it means to be a follower of Jesus as their parent. And we just look for ways to be present with our children in the Lord and in the ways of the Lord. Uh, it's so beautiful, David. I-, I sure appreciate the time that we got to spend today. I get the sense we could go on and on and on and on. So much more to think about and, and encourage each other in and challenge each other. There were some questions along the way. I was like, hmm, I wonder what David would say about that. But we'll do that next time. For today, I'm just so grateful to have been able to spend some time with you and look forward to doing it again in our futures. Sounds great. God bless everyone. Thanks for tuning in, friends. Links to all the resources that were mentioned in today's podcast can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to download Jim and Lynn's free anger ebook. While you are there, please rate and review so others can find us more easily. And if this podcast has been helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. For more information, go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.